Good morning. I am indeed honored and so very humbled to have been asked to come and share in this your celebration of Black History Month and also looking at it as a time of reconciliation. To Reverend Jessica McClone and to Hunter, who's been so outstanding in getting communication to us, and to Reverend Donna Covington, who is spoiling that baby out in California. Thank you so very much for this opportunity. It is a blessing to share this service with you today with uh, two of my sons. I actually see a third one here today. Uh, my biological son, CJ, who has been so gifted by God, and two of our sons, Mario Radford is a son of First Baptist Church, Bracktown, and I see Reverend Dante Jackson out there, and there's so many of you, I'm so humbled and honored to be here today. As an educator, for now 42 years, I'm going to confess something to you today. I was a social studies teacher, and I was not your regular social studies teacher. I, I, I had a motto that anything you learn with pleasure, you will never forget. So when I taught states and capitals, I didn't stand and say, Frankfurt is the capital of Kentucky and Springfield's the capital of Illinois. We played Twister. I, made, I cleared all the desks out of the room and you put your right hand in Minnesota and your left foot in Mississippi. And so we played and learned like that. But I have another confession today. I never taught black history because I wanted my students to understand that it was not an exclusive history, it was an inclusive history. I did celebrate Black History Month by doing programs like this and bringing in speakers, but I, whatever unit I was teaching, I always included the contributions of African Americans. So if I was teaching about explorers, I couldn't talk about Columbus without talking about Pedro Nino who was the African that said, land, land, when Columbus thought he was lost. I couldn't talk about Ponce de Leon without talking about DuSable, who discovered Chicago and the Illinois area. And so whatever unit I was teaching, I included the contributions of African Americans. And I not only included African Americans, but women and Latinos and Asian Americans, because I wanted my students to understand that America is the place it is today because of the diversity of so many groups of people that had contributed to us being the country that we are. So I thank you today for taking time out to celebrate Black History Month and also looking at it as a time of reconciliation. Now the history lesson's over, let's pray so I can preach the word. <laughs> Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much this day for allowing us to come into your house to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, God, for allowing us to feel you on the main altars of our heart on this day. And now, Lord, it's preaching time. Take the shaking out of my knees, the dryness out of my throat, and may all I say here today give you praise, glory, and honor. And if you bless us all to get back home, and before we go to bed tonight, May we be found on our knees saying, Lord, I may not have done all that I wanted to do, but it's been a mighty, mighty good day. We pray this prayer in the matchless, marvelous name of Jesus the Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen and amen. As I thought and prayed about what I could say this day as a means of inspiration, 
which I hope would lead to motivation with all of you leaving here today with a feeling of rejuvenation. I ask God to use his word this morning to say something that will give an answer to anyone who may have come here today with a feeling of anxiety. Lord, let your word say something hopeful to someone who may be hopeless today. Lord, please let a word go forth to offer security for those who feel unsafe, and especially we need a word of comfort for these chaotic times. And Lord, I pray that the word today will allow all of us to remember that out of one blood came all nations. So God led me to the fourth division of the book of Psalm, where the 90th Psalm is the first for the fourth book of Psalm. And, it, and as it was read, it just simply says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I want to use for a thought this morning, but God. Now, the 90th Psalm was written by Moses, and you remember who Moses is. Moses is the one that God selected to lead the children of Israel out of bondage to the promised land. Now, this Psalm was written by Moses as a prayer. Now, although in our Bibles it is numbered as the 90th Psalm, theologians believe that it is one of the oldest Psalms in our Bible. They believe that when Moses wrote this psalm, he and the children of Israel were in the wilderness on their 40-year journey because of their disobedience when God had instructed them to go possess the land he had promised them. Because of their lack of faith in following God's orders to possess the promised land, they were sentenced to 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They walked around in circles until that generation, that doubtful generation, died off. Moses writes this 90th Psalm as a reminder to the people that even though they were going through a wilderness experience, there are some things they needed to remember. As I stand here today proclaiming the Word of God, I want to remind us that we may be going through a wilderness experience here in America, politically, socially, racially, economically, and even medically. But our God is still good. Moses is saying to us, as he said to the children of Israel, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, and even you have formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There are three things that Moses says to us in this, these first two verses that can give us hope in times like these. Now, he says, Lord. Here he is referring to God as Elohim, the God of power and creation. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, now Moses is not talking about a geographical place or an address where God had been their dwelling place. When we read Numbers 33, it lists over 40 different places that Moses and the children of Israel camped and stayed from the time they left Egypt until their, through their wilderness experience. Moses' prayer in this 90th Psalm was acknowledging 
that they did not have a permanent physical place to live, but they had a permanent place in God who provided and protected them. Now, let me see if I can break it down to you today. See, you can live in a mansion with eight bedrooms, six and a half baths, a swimming pool in the backyard. Your house can be on the cover of better homes and garden, and God still not be your dwelling place. On the other hand, you can be homeless living in your car and shout every day that God is my dwelling place. See, it's not about where we live, but who lives in us. The God who gives us strength, comfort, encourages, and delivers us. Moses not only acknowledged God as his dwelling place, but he knew that God had been his dwelling place in all generations. Moses was the sixth generation from Abraham. He had been told how God was the dwelling place of his forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, Kohath, and his father Abram, Aram. He knew that the same God who took care of them was able to take care of him. See, it is most important that we too remember that God has been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, just as Moses was the sixth generation, so we have six living generations in America today. Each generation has seen, experienced, felt, and survived many things but God. Now, the first generation I want to acknowledge is the GI generation. That's anyone who was born from 1901 to 1926. During this time, there was 1,265 lynchings of blacks in America. Many blacks left the South and migrated North. Even while life was tough for blacks during this time period, we were able to witness what is known as the Harlem Renaissance, where African-American culture flourished through poetry, music, and the arts. There was a man by the name of James Weldon Johnson, who is also the writer of Lift Every Voice and Sing that we're going to sing at the end of this program. But he was also a great poet, and he read his Bible all the time. And James Weldon Johnson wrote a series of poems called uh, God's Trombones. And the first poem that he writes in this book is called The Creation. And what he did, he took scripture and he put it to his culture and the verse, and he came up with this outstanding poem called The Creation. I'm going to do a little bit for you today. And he says, and God stepped out on space and he looked around and said, I'm lonely. I'll make me a world. As far as the eye of God could see, darkness was everywhere, blacker than a hundred midnights down in a cypress swamp. Then God smiled and the light broke and the darkness rolled up on one side and the light stood shining on the other. And God said, that's good. Then God reached out and took the light in his hands and God rolled around in his hands until he made the sun and he set that sun ablazing in the heavens and the light that was left from making the sun, God gathered it up in a shining ball and he flung it against the darkness, spangling the night with the moon and the stars and God said, that's good. And so that's just a little bit of it. Get the creation and see how this man, even though he was living during this time, God blessed him to write seven sermons called God's Trombones. But God, 
Now, if you were born between 1927 and 1945, this is called the silent mature generation. See, they, they survived the Great Depression, segregation, the Ku Klux Klan. They were able, they were asked to fight in World War II for our country's freedom when they were denied personal freedom. We, we listened on the radio. I remember hearing my grandmother talking about listening on the radio as the first American, black or white, by the name of Jesse Owens, won four gold medals for this country in 1936 in the Olympics in Germany. But he returned home to the United States having to drink out of a separate water fountain and eat out back at a restaurant. But God. Now, if you were born from 1946 to 1964, you're called the baby boomer generation. I was born in 1954, the same year that the Supreme Court case of Brown versus the Board of Education. This court case opened the door saying on paper that all public schools should be equal. In 1955, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, causing a bus boycott that lasted for one year, forcing the court system to outlaw bus segregation. The 1957 voting rights was passed outlawing the poll tax where African Americans in the South had to pay to vote. This was the first major civil rights legislation in 75 years. And then in 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. presented a new vision for America in his I Have a Dream speech. I tell you this morning, but God. Generation X is those of you who were born from 1965 to 1980s. In the 1970s, two major cities in the United States elected the first African-American mayors, Newark, New Jersey, and Los Angeles, California. In 1977, Alex Haley's book, Roots, became the first African-American miniseries on television, telling the story of a family and its journey from slavery to 1977, but God. The millennial generation, those of you that were born between 1981 and 2000, it was during this time that our African-American communities were attacked by Satan, causing a new time period, B.C. and A.C., that's before crack and after crack. Satan tried to take us out as a people, with many of our black men being sent to prison and single mothers being left to raise their children. I'm so glad this morning that we serve a God who's a deliverer and a restorer. In 1987, we saw old Oprah Winfrey launch the first syndicated talk show by an African-American on television, but God. Those of you born between 2001 and today, you're called the boomlets. This generation got to see and experience what my ancestors thought would never happen in these United States of America, the election of the first African-American president by the name of Barack Obama, and just this past January, we saw the first African-American woman elected as vice president of the United States of America, but God. See, it does not matter what year you were born in or the generation. We must never forget that God is our dwelling place in every generation. Psalm 91 and 1 adds to this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
Verse 2 of, verse of, of Psalm 90, Moses says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or you brought forth the world, the second thing he reminds us is of the pre-existence of God. My childhood pastor, Dr. T.H. Smith at Shiloh Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, he would pull his suspenders up and he would say, before there was a when or where, God was already there. Moses is saying before the seven continents were created, Asia, Africa, North America, South America, Antarctica, Europe, and Australia, he said God was already there. Before he told Mount Everest, Mount McKinley, Mount Kilimanjaro, and any other mountain to stand up, God was already in existence. I have the assurance because of Genesis 1-1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jeremiah 32 and 17 backs up Genesis 1 and 1, where it says, O oh Lord, you have made the heavens and earth by your great power and outstretched hand. It was God who put the moo in the cow, the oink in the pig, the meow in the cow, the quack quack in the duck, and the arf arf in the dog. Before God created the heavens and the earth, we have the assurance that no matter when you were born or where you were born, our God is still in control. There's a song that we used to sing when I was a child that says, this is my father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. The birds, their carols rise. The morning light, the lily white, declare the maker's praise. The second verse of Psalm 90 ends by saying, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Here we learn the preeminence of God. God is before all, God is above all, he's greater than all, he's superior to all, and he surpasses all. The songwriter says it best like this, I searched all over and I couldn't find nobody, nobody greater than you, God. He's indescribable and inexplainable. In the English language, we have three tenses, past, present, and future. Our God is three tenses in one. He was, he is, and he shall forever be. Psalm 90 and 5 says, For the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Psalm 145 and 13 says, God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. There's one thing that every generation has in common since the existence of man. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, Latino, there's one thing we all have in common. We were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but a loving God looked beyond our faults and knew we needed a savior. So God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for us on a hill called Calvary. He died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But on that third day morning, God raised him from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can overcome racism. Because he lives, I can overcome injustice. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, the day after tomorrow next week and even next month. 
And because he lives, all my fears are gone. I want to, as I prepare to close this message, there's something I want to say, especially to the millennial generation, those of you born between 1981 and 2000, and to the boomlets, or if you got children who are millennials and boomlets, here's something I want you them to know. Many of them depend so much on technology, your iPhone, your iPad, Google, Alexa, Siri, the internet, and all those forms of technology. I want you to know today that there are some things in life that only God can get you through. Siri, I'm at a crossroads in life. I don't know what to do. Siri says, do you want I-64 or I-75? But God will help you when he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. When you are in trouble and your back is against the wall, see if Google can get you some help. But God will be your refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Alexa, I need some help paying my bills. What are bills? But God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. There's no app on how to mend a broken heart. But God tells us in Psalm 147 and 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Are there any but God witnesses in this sanctuary today who will agree with me that if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you don't know where you would be? And because God has been my dwelling place in all generations, you know what he deserves? He deserves a but God praise. You know, let me tell you why I give him a but God praise. See, I am the survivor of ancestors who made it across the middle passage from the, in that journey from Africa to America. My ancestors made it to America. They weren't one of the four million who jumped overboard and you'll find their bones in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. I'm a survivor of ancestors who stood on auction blocks. I'm the survivor of ancestors who were beaten and abused as slaves. I give him a but God praise because I'm a survivor of ancestors who survived Jim Crow, Ku Klux Klan, segregation, and voter suppression. See, I must give God a but God praise for a mother. You've seen the, the movie, The Help? My mother was the help who helped somebody else raised her children, then came home, took care of her children, and because she was the help, it helped me to go to college and get a degree. God has been my dwelling place in all generations, and today I give him all the praise, I give him all the glory. Let me share by, by telling you a story. In the city of Atlanta, in one of the impoverished areas, there lived a grandmother with a daughter who had a little boy. Grandmother, single mother, and a little boy. And the little boy said, Grandmama, can I go outside and play? And Grandmama said, you can go out front, but you stay in that yard, boy. Don't you go out of that yard. And he said, yes, ma'am. He went outside. He was playing in the yard with his little trucks. And a van drove up. And a man got out of the van. And when he got out of the van, he showed him a PC3. And he said, why are you playing with them trucks and them little cars? Don't you want this electronic game? 
don't you want to play with this PC3? And the little boy said, but I can't come out of the yard. He said, you ain't got to come out of the yard. Just come to the end of the yard, and I'll give you the PC3. And he said, okay. He gets to the end of the yard. Just as he reaches for the PC3, the man grabs him up, takes the little boy, throws him in the back of the van, and he takes off. And the little boy, he's crying, and he's crying, and he looks out the window, and he remembers a song that he had heard at church the past Sunday. And so he's crying, and he said, every praise is to our God, every word of worship with one accord, every praise, every praise is to our God. And the man said, shut that noise up, stop all that noise. And the little boy said, every praise is to our God. He kept on singing. And the man said, I told you to shut that noise up. Then the little boy said, God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, every praise. And he kept crying. The man pulled over. He goes and gets the little boy in the back. He's already got him tied up. He takes a handkerchief and he puts it across his mouth. He said, now that ought to shut you up. And then the man takes off again. The little boy can't sing, but he can hum. <laughs> and he keeps saying every praise is to our God. God, my healer. God, my savior. God, my deliverer. Finally, the man finds an alley, and he pulls it, it, the van over. He goes in the back, and he gets the little boy out. He cuts him where he's got him tied off. He takes the handkerchief off, and he said, and just takes off. And there's a little boy in the alley. He walks to the end of the alley. He sees somebody. And he said, can you help me find my mama and my grandmama? He said, I was taken out of my yard. They called the police. The police come get him. They take him back to his grandmother and his mother. And now by this time, word has gotten out. All the news media is there. All the television stations, all the newspapers are there. And they are interviewing the little boy. They said, how did you get away? And he said, let me tell you how I got away. He said, I remember what my grandmama said, that when the praises go up, the blessings will come down. And I remember the song that we sung this past Sunday in church, that every praise is to our God. And he said, I kept singing it until finally the man let me go. Well, that's my story for you today, that no matter when you were born, where you were born, just remember that God has been our dwelling place in every generation, and he's due a nothing but a God praise. Thank you.